Believe it or not, we are halfway through 2022, and I have my picks for my favorite movies of the year so far, right now. This episode is brought to you by MeUndies. Go to MeUndies.com slash Dan to get 15% off your first order, and stay tuned until the end of this review for more info. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my list. It's not going to be a ranked list, but it's going to be a list of my favorite movies of 2022 so far. We're at the end of June. We have half of the year behind us. We have a lot of exciting stuff still to come through the rest of the summer movie season and into the end of the year. But there are always standout films that come out in these first six months, and a lot of times they get lost in the shuffle as the year goes on. So I decided to pause and recognize several of them that I think are really, really strong movies. I don't know how many of these are going to make it onto my end of the year list because I don't really know what the future holds in store as far as the movies that are coming out. But the good news is that all of these movies are available either in theaters now or through some kind of digital or physical media. And I first wanted to mention a few that fell just short. One of them is The Adam Project, which is available right now on Netflix, which I thought was a really charming family comedy starring Ryan Reynolds. Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, the movie, is actually the only one of these that's not currently available here in the United States, either on streaming or physical media. Media, but if you have a chance to see it, I really, really liked it. Chippendale Rescue Rangers on Disney Plus was a big surprise for me. I was not expecting the meta comedy that it had in store, but it's a movie that I enjoyed. Jackass Forever, which is available on both Paramount Plus and on physical and digital media, was the most I've laughed in a theater all year. I don't care if you think it's lowbrow humor. I think it's hilarious. 2022 Scream, which is also on Paramount Plus and physical and digital media, was able to avoid a lot of what's wrong with most legacy sequels, although there's a Another one that I think did it even better that you will see on my list. Belle from Japan is a breathtakingly beautiful animated film that's available currently on physical and digital media. Hatching is a movie that I saw virtually from the Sundance Film Festival. You'll see a few of those on this list. It's now available to rent digitally. It's a great little horror movie if you like really kind of sick and twisted body horror there's a documentary called Lucy and Desi, which was made by Amy Poehler that's currently available on Amazon Prime that I found to be much more entertaining and illuminating than the Lucille Ball movie that came out last year. And also on Amazon Prime Video is a movie that premiered at Sundance called Emergency about a group of college kids and one night as they try to figure out what to do with a passed out girl that they find in their house that I think really hit a lot of targets pretty well and I recommend that. So with the honorable mentions out of the way, let's get to the movies that are on my list. As I mentioned, these are not ranked. So I'm not doing them 1 through 10 or actually 1 through 12 because I have 12 movies on this list. And that's because I don't want to get to the end of the year and have somebody say like, well, you put this movie at number four on your midway list, but it's only at number three or number seven. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to compare the ranks right now. I just want to talk about some movies that I really liked. And the first movie on this list is one that a lot of folks saw and that you probably saw. And that is The Batman, which is currently available on HBO Max as well as physical and digital media directed by Matt Reeves. I think this movie was both a celebration of the legacy and the iconography of Batman as well as a reinvention of some key parts of it and I liked the new direction that they took the character in uh, towards the end of the movie. Robert Pattinson I thought was a really strong choice for Batman even though a lot of people were kind of scratching their heads when they first heard of his casting. I wasn't as crazy about Catwoman or Riddler as a lot of people.
But Colin Farrell's Penguin is the character that I really kind of went head over heels for in this movie. We're going to see more of him on HBO Max and hopefully in future Batman movies because I really loved his take on the character. Holy God, what are you Lips showing me? Hey, come on! Open your eyes! To be honest, it's somewhat doubtful that the Batman's going to be on my list at the end of the year. It's possible, depending on what else we get in 2022, but I think it was a great kickstart to this year, especially as we were easing people even more after Spider-Man No Way Home to heading out to these theaters to see a big blockbuster. My next pick is a movie that is in theaters right now. It actually opened here in the United States last week, and that is Scott Derrickson's The Black Phone, which I think was a really solid horror thriller with some great performances and a really what I think is going to be a popular new horror villain played by Ethan Hawke, whether he comes back to reprise that role or not. I think he should if they're going to do more with this character because he is really, really good in this movie. Newcomer Mason Thames also puts in a great, really lead performance in the film. I promise I won't tell anyone. You can blindfold me, drop me off on the street, I'll walk home. Well, tell me your name. The Black Phone did really well at the box office last weekend, which means that the more money it makes, the more likely it is that we're going to get a sequel that will ground this franchise into dirt. Sequels, prequels, mythologizing, everything that usually happens with really good horror films. But it does the first thing right, which is to have a really solid initial entry that sets the rules and the tone for the franchise, regardless of the fact that all of that may go out the window if they decide to make more movies. My next pick is a tiny movie that premiered at Sundance, came out in a limited number of theaters a couple weeks ago, and I'm thinking will probably hit streaming soon on Peacock. It's a movie called Brian and Charles, which is just a fun movie. I have an affinity for silliness, and this is a very silly movie. It's about a lonely Welsh farmer who decides to build his own robot who names itself Charles Petrescu, and it's very much a buddy comedy with these two characters. The farmer is played by David Earle. Charles Petrescu. You want that name, do you? Charles Petrescu. All right, then. I am Charles Petrescu. Hello, Brian. But I think this movie also has a lot of heart, and I have a real soft spot for British humor. This is very much in that vein, so if you like British humor as well, I would recommend that you seek it out. I've heard from several people that had never heard of the movie and saw me recommending it on charts, and during my Sundance coverage earlier in the year, uh, they went to see it and said that they really, really enjoyed it. So I understand if you can't find Brian and Charles playing in a theater near you because it's a small number of theaters and a really small number of showtimes, even in the theaters where it is playing, it's a busy and crowded summer blockbuster season. But if you can find Brian and Charles later on this year on streaming or on physical or digital media, then it is a huge recommendation for me because uh, I, I just really, really like this movie. My next pick is a movie that also is in theaters and also opened last weekend, much like The Black Phone. It almost didn't make this list, but I decided to put it on due to the sheer brilliance of its lead performance, and that is Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, the biopic of Elvis Presley, whom some call the king of rock and roll and some dispute. And there's a little bit of that discussion in the movie. And Austin Butler as Elvis Presley is the reason it's on this list because his performance is absolutely phenomenal. I hope that it's not forgotten at the end of the year when all of the different guilds decide to start handing out awards because he doesn't just play Elvis Presley he becomes Elvis Presley this is a part that very easily could have gone into self-parody it did not however I do think that Tom Hanks's role did become a bit of a self-parody prosthetics and all I don't really know what the market was for an Elvis biopic so this was a risk particularly for Austin Butler to take a chance on a role like this could have had a very negative impact on his career instead I think this is going to be a career making performance and with someone like Baz Luhrmann in the director's chair you can be guaranteed that whether you like Elvis or not you are not going to see another movie like it this year. Why hold it? 
the wiggle. The what? Them girls won't see you wiggle. Move, man. If I was going to name a number one movie on my list, it would be this one. It's available on digital and physical media this week, and that is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Prior to Top Gun Maverick coming out, this was the box office story of 2022. It went from limited release to wide release, stuck around for so long. It's now A24's most successful film of all time, both domestically and worldwide. And speaking of unique movies, just like Elvis, this is one of the most singular movies that I've seen in quite some time with fantastic performances from Michelle Yeoh and Kei Hui Kwan, as well as an amazing supporting cast. This really is the little A24 movie that could because it took on the Goliath of the Marvel Cinematic Universe when it came to movies about the multiverse and in my mind absolutely destroyed the comic book storytelling. As far as a multiversal tale that touches on family and existence, it is a wide-ranging film. It's a great work from the writer-directors of the movie Daniels and this is a movie that you are very likely going to see on my list come the end of the year. Up next is a Sundance movie that's now available to watch on Hulu, and it is one called Fresh, which stars Sebastian Stan and Daisy Edgar-Jones, who both put in a great performance. I don't think you've seen Sebastian Stan in a role like this before. Daisy Edgar-Jones, a really fearless performance as a character who works through her terror in an impossible situation. I saw this blind at Sundance virtually and was shocked by what happened in this movie. I think a lot of it was given away by the later trailers and marketing, but I still think that Fresh is going to be a surprising movie for you just for how far it goes in moments. It really pushes the boundaries. It's one of those movies that's going to make you want to both cover your eyes and also look through your fingers because you don't want to miss what's about to happen. There's a whole community of people that are devoted to this. And that's when my life started making sense. Next up is the only documentary to make this list so far, although there are a couple that are coming out later this year that I think may well be on my end of the year list. And that is a documentary called Navalny, which is currently available here in the US on HBO Max. It was the top prize winner at Sundance. And it's a documentary about Alexei Navalny, who is Vladimir Putin's most prominent critic. This movie came out prior to two significant events. One of them was Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The other one was Alexei Navalny's arrest and incarceration in Russia for crimes against the Russian government that may not exactly hold up to scrutiny. He is being jailed for being a vocal and prominent critic of Putin who chose to go back to his home country and continue fighting. And this is also kind of a mystery or at least the unraveling of one because Navalny through much of this documentary is attempting to solve his own attempted murder by the Russian regime. And there's a stunning scene where he, it's like the most high stakes prank phone call of all time where he talks to one of the people on the hit squad who tried to kill him and basically gets him to admit on tape that he tried to murder him. <laughs> If Navalny had not been arrested and jailed, this would be a fascinating documentary. It only gains poignance by what has happened on the world stage later this year, and it is one of the most important films that you're going to see in 2022. Next up on my list is another risky film that didn't quite pay off at the box office for Focus Features and Universal, and that is Robert Eggers' The Northman, which is currently streaming on Peacock and also available on physical and digital media. And it really deserves to be included on this list solely for its sheer audacity, although I did also enjoy the movie itself more than I've enjoyed Robert Eggers' other films. I've really admired his movies in the past more than I've liked them. It is one hell of a revenge tale, both impossibly simple and full of symbolism and metaphor, probably the most beautiful 
beautiful film or one of the most beautiful films I've seen this year and featuring a ferocious lead performance from Alexander Skarsgård and what I think is a really underrated supporting performance from Nicole Kidman, who is as good in this movie as I can remember seeing her. You are his queen. Your father endured me. I've been hearing about my next pick for months because people have been on social media and have been uh, tweeting me, telling me to watch this movie. It was finally made available here on Netflix in the United States. It's a movie from India called RRR, which in Hindi stands for Rise, Roar, Revolt, although it changes based on the language that you're using. This is a movie in the Telugu language, so it is not originally in the Hindi language. RRR is three hours long, but feels half the length. It is one of the most electric movies that I have seen this year. And I also understand that there are many levels to this movie that I don't understand as somebody who is not from India because it is very much steeped in Indian history and Indian tradition. Still though, this is one of my favorites, even though I watched it at home and did not see it at the theater. Some of the craziest action scenes that I've seen in a movie, but also maybe the best scene in the movie, maybe the year, is not an action scene. It is an incredibly elaborate musical number that features some of the best dancing I have ever seen on film. It is absolutely incredible filmmaking and performance. RRR is one of those movies where your jaw is going to drop multiple times throughout the film because there are no limits. Nothing is too crazy, nothing is too ridiculous, and the movie has an infectious energy that is just infused in every single frame. When you look at cinema, and I don't even just mean world cinema, but when you look at cinema, at the movies, RRR is a great example of the love and the passion and the possibility of what you can do with the medium and with the art form. I really, really, really liked this movie, and I know that a lot of other people do as well because many people have been telling me to do a full-length review, and maybe I'll just do a spoiler one later on, uh, but I, I love this movie. Next up is the number one movie of the year and may well still be number one once the box office results are tallied for 2022, Avatar or no Avatar, and that is Top Gun Maverick, which is currently in theaters. I mean, really, what's left to say about this movie that hasn't already been said? This is exactly what a legacy sequel should be. It has heavy shades of the original, but with meaningful progress for its characters. The storylines are rooted in real emotion and history between these characters, and it has some of the best aerial photography that I think has ever been committed to film. It really is a box office phenomenon, but it's also a phenomenon entertaining movie and one that I may actually go back to see for a third time in IMAX and I I can't tell you the last time I went to see a movie three times in theaters I, I really can't tell you it's been that long Next up is a movie that I think really deserved to be in theaters, and after seeing what's happened at the box office for the latest Pixar film, perhaps Disney would agree, and that is Turning Red. I really think in the past few years that Pixar has turned out two great movies, this one and Soul. But even though this went to Disney+, Plus, ratings indicate that Turning Red is very popular uh, over many, many months now, and it deserves to be, because this story about a young girl in Canada who turns into a panda when her emotions run high is not only cute and entertaining and funny, it's also steeped in metaphor and meaningful cultural identity. And I love that the movie's not afraid to stray away from that or the concept of things like family pressure. It's also not an endorsement of the adults are right mentality. It's very honest about growing up and it's very honest about being a parent and watching your child grow up. Your mother and I were close once, but the red panda took that away. 
And if you haven't seen it yet on Disney+, Plus, if it has that sort of direct-to-streaming aura around it, forget about that. that. That's all out the window. Seek out Turning Red and watch it as soon as you can. Next is a movie that could have gone horribly wrong if it had just been sold on the concept. Luckily, there was more to it than just the concept, and that is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is available now on digital and physical media. It is a super meta movie about Nicolas Cage, which, again, you could be really self-indulgent uh, very easily with that, especially with Nicolas Cage involved, not only in front of the camera, but also as a producer behind the camera. Luckily, this movie is a delightful buddy comedy with Cage playing himself and Pedro Pascal playing Nicolas Cage's number one fan. It transcends the winky premise to become a pretty solid action movie in its own right. And I think that Cage's self-deprecation more than anything, or his ability to have jokes made at his expense is what keeps this movie from feeling self-indulgent or like a vanity piece. If you love Nick Cage and you know all of his movies, you're gonna enjoy it on one level. If you just like comedy and action, I think you're gonna enjoy it on another level. What is your third favorite movie of all time? Paddington 2. What? Finally on my list is perhaps the bloodiest, splatteriest horror movie yet this year, and that is X. It is a down and dirty, almost grindhouse movie with a powerhouse performance from Mia Goth that you may not even be aware of when you're watching it the first time. In a sea of forgettable horror films, I think that X is able to use a lot of those conventions as well as some great kills and a unique twist to really spice things up. There's a prequel to the movie that has already been filmed and I'm interested to see that. But for now, get ready to just turn down the lights and groan, laugh, gasp, all the things that a great horror movie should do, this one makes you do. My daddy will be home soon, and I'm sure he could give you a lift to town. Would you like to come inside? So those are my favorite movies of the year so far. There are a few because people always ask that I would single out as, uh, let's say, some of my not favorite movies so far this year. The King's Daughter was an utterly ridiculous movie that's almost worth seeing just for the bonkers performance from Pierce Brosnan. Moonfall actually had me for a while. I thought it was going to transcend the dumb premise and everything dumb that was happening on screen, but it did end up being just another dumb Roland Emmerich movie. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is by far my least favorite horror movie that I've seen this year and maybe my least favorite movie of the year so far. Absolutely just a phoned-in effort uh, to what could have been an interesting premise. Morbius really transcends good or bad, but it was not one of my favorites of the year. And then Firestarter, which I found to be a really lifeless remake of a movie that I don't really know needed to be remade in the first place. So those are my thoughts on my favorite movies of the year so far. What are some of your favorites? Let me know down in the comments below. And what are some movies that you're looking forward to in the months ahead? Thank you so much for watching the show. Before we go, I'd like to thank my sponsor for today's show, MeUndies. Hold on to your butts because their latest print is 65 million years in the making. It's the Jurassic Park Collection. MeUndies is famous for their limited edition prints and softer than soft fabrics. And now they're bringing that comfort to all Jurassic fans with their undies, socks, bralettes, and loungewear. MeUndies is available in sizes from extra small to 4XL. Usually during the day, I like to put on shorts or jeans or really pants of some kind in order to pretend like I'm an adult. But I've been rocking these Jurassic Park lounge pants 24-7 just about since I got them from MeUndies. They're just that comfortable. And here in Arkansas, it's summer, it's hot, it's humid, but comfort uh, finds a way because the fabric on MeUndies is so light, it's so comfortable, perfect for the summer. 
And MeUndies has a great offer for my listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off of your first order, including anything from the new Jurassic Park collection. To get 15% off your first order, plus a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com Dan. That's me, M-E-Undies, U-N-D-I-E-S dot com slash Dan, D-A-N. And be sure to spare no expense. Thanks to MeUndies for sponsoring this episode, and thanks to you for watching. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then.